Well, hi, everybody. Here we are for, well, round six, episode six, I should say, of the Filthy Lip Out with me, Johnny Morgan, and the mighty man who loves dressing as an orange, Kit Alexander. Now, Kit, here we are, my friend. We're doing it again. We are, we are. And what a week to do it as well. I mean, loads going on. You were at Hanbury Manor, and of course, the first major of the season, the first major in over a year, uh, the PGA Championship. Did you watch it? I watched it, mate. What did you think of it? I mean, the course looked magnificent. It did. I, I thought, actually, TPC Harding Park came out really well from it. Um, and the setup was good. Like, I think the winning number, you know, you're looking at 13 under one it. You've got 11s, 10s, 9s. There was, you know, they didn't rip it to shreds. And, and if you hit bad shots, you got punished. But at the same time, there was enough birdies to, I think, make it an enjoyable watch and to produce drama on the last few holes. Like, Augusta's got a great reputation. It's the roars of Augusta. It's the eagle chances on the back nine, the birdie chances. That yeah. what, that's what defines it. And you almost had actually a similar feel in terms of the scoring opportunities at, at Harding Park because there, there was the, the 16th, of course, which did prove to be absolutely vital with the eagle for Morikawa. There were birdie chances and you saw a few players drop shots when they got out of position. So... I thought the course was good, and uh, what you could see by the leaderboard. I mean, look at the names on there going into the final round, and and how that final round played out. Um, I mean, Colin Marikawa, what a talent! What, what do you make of him, John? Just a full, complete, happy guy. Loves the game. Works extremely hard at it. Completely dedicated. Uh, I hope that you know, obviously, took out Alfie in the Walker Cup as well. But you know, great things came from the Walker Cup of you know, getting to hear what, you know, the new youngsters coming through are going to be like. But Colin just seemed like he ticked every box. Not not on length, which was, this is what I'm going to refer to. It was quite nice we didn't have a bomber out there because at one stage, the whole leaderboard was just all 300-plus averages off the tee. And then Colin was completely different than that, you know, about 180, uh, 285, I might add. But the guy is... Daniel Dart, he's a bit like your man Xander Schofle. You know, there's lots of boxes who you tip, by the way, for that. And he was there, you know, near to the end, but you know, just fell away, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I think he ticks all the boxes, he's good at everything. Colin Marikawa, and uh, I mean, quick, he never misses a shot. And I mean, I was watching it, and just the nail in the coffin, which was just perfect, was obviously 16. That drive, I mean, you could hear Paul McGinley on gums just going, Oh my god, all of them going bananas. And um, just couldn't believe what a great shot it was. And it was a great shot. And just to slot it in was just the icing on the cake. And really, unfortunately, you know, Paul Casey, we know, is a sometimes a bit of a choker. And we've seen him in the past get himself in really good contention. He put his best foot forward, Paul Casey. He really did. He showed that, you know, we all know what a great player Paul is. We just know he just can't get over that line. But he was taking down Colin. And, you know, all the boys were. And but Colin just came up with the goods. And, whoa. Wow, just such a nice play. Love his smile. From here to where, he's massive. He just uh, looks a complete package. And he's Mr. Nice Guy and a worthy winner. The iron play of him, and it's funny, actually, it was almost the putter and the driver that people are going to remember from that final round because, you know, he holds two 20-foot-plus putts to save par inside the first five holes just to keep himself in it. You know, if, if he goes sort of one over, two over through four or five holes round there when a lot of people were picking it up early you're suddenly out of the tournament and it's hard to turn that around just look at what happened to sort of Brooks Kepka and Tommy Fleetwood when they dropped shots early they just couldn't find that gear again so those putts no. were massive and then of course the driver on 16 is going to get huge headlines the chip in as well on 14 but it's his yeah. iron play that is I mean he's being touted as the best iron player since Tiger Woods which and he was the greatest ever frankly with those clubs so to have that level of talent and at such a young age, to but then not have weaknesses, it, it's not like that any of his areas of the game are bad. He's an absolute world-class ball striker and he can do everything else. So with the mentality and the confidence, you know, listen to the interview with him afterwards, he was kind of like, well, you know, I, I don't know if anyone else thought this, but I always believed this is where I'd be and I felt confident in the situation and comfortable and this is just kind of what I expected like la-di-da what, what's the big deal and I think you almost need to have that what's the big deal attitude actually to be decent in majors because if you do build it up too much in your head that's when you start psyching yourself out or you choke or you, a, a shot becomes more important than just one golf shot you know we all know lots of these moments were massive that t-shirt on 16 that chip on 14 those 
par putts. But the moment you as a golfer in the moment start thinking they're more important than just the one shot you're facing, I feel like yeah. that's a really slippery slope. For you as a competitor, I guess, you've been in moments where you've been aware of the importance of a particular golf shot, but you can't treat it any other different, any differently to, to execute it. If there was one part of the game I would love to have taken from my own, from his, is his long arm play. And I do find it, that was a weakness of mine, definitely a weakness of my long arm play. And it's something you need out on the, on the big tours. You know, the courses are monstrous. You know, you got a, you know, you're coming in with par fours, majority of par fours, you're coming in with six and five irons, par fives, you can, you can just squeeze it there with maybe a long iron three wood and stuff like that. And this is where he excels. I mean, he's got it on a piece of string. And I like the guy. I think we're in for a nice treat with Colin. I think we've got some uh, nice interviews in the future. Some, yeah. uh, I mean, going go, reflecting back quickly though, Kit, if you look at him taking out JT at the, the tournament just before Memorial, round the court, the same course, I mean, he took him out, but what a burst of confidence that is. I mean, he had some big kahunas on him because, you know, JT's holding an absolute gobbler on 18 and he's got the minerals and he follows him in to send it in further into the playoff. And you just go, my goodness, this guy is not scared. And like you said, his pedigree, his idea, his, the, way, the way his mind thinks, he's ready for this, always is ready for this. He knew this is where he's going to be. You made a great point. He's, um, I think we're going to see him a lot, a lot more often at the very think, top of the leaderboard. Yeah, and I think the refreshing thing is, not only is he not the longest, he's not what you would describe as a bomber, I don't think he's going to feel, oh, I need to suddenly add 10 or 15 yards to be competitive. I mean, obviously he's got the evidence, but even so, players have won on tour and then gone, oh, I need to add more distance yeah. to, to compete, and things haven't gone quite to plan a certain Matteo Manacero springs to mind. Colin Morikawa isn't going to think that way. He's got total confidence in how he goes about things. And the fact that he's such a good iron player allows him to. He doesn't have to be giving himself wedges into greens because he'll stand yeah. over a six or a seven iron and think, I can hit that to tap in distance and hits it to tap in distance more than his fair share. Yeah. He won't, I don't think he'll try and change. He'll know what he's doing now is good enough. And I think that that's a player that's so young is so self-confident and comfortable in their own skin is a very scary proposition because that's what almost marks the, the true greats and the absolute elites apart, you know? Yeah, I would agree, Kit. But the nice thing is, in the modern day era as well, you get to learn if you're a big hitter or not anyway. You know what I mean? I mean, look at how many... I mean, you're going to grow up with people that just bomb it for fun and be constantly offline and you realize really early doors what works for you and are you are you tick in general and I think he's learned that he doesn't have to press that you know that hard button and you know have nine nine pro protein shakes a day like Bryson DeChambeau I mean could you imagine him having nine protein shakes a day my goodness but or anyone to that matter but I mean you're not going to see him do that I just know it you know he's just too good like you say into the green so he doesn't need it he just does not need it. And it's nice to see. Really is nice to see. And I just, I mean, I really enjoyed the PGA Championship. Pretty eerie out there. It looked like someone from the Adams family had just come in and just put a spell over the golf course. It was quite misty and eerie. Yeah, the and, and the mist and no fans. It was, it was all surreal, wasn't it, in many ways? Oh, yeah. It was brilliant. It really was. And uh, I loved the comms as well. I, was like, I liked uh, listening to well, everyone, really, that was working on it. it was, uh, they made it really good. And it's not easy. It's not easy because, you know, there you are at a major and you're thinking 40,000 fans are going to go ballistic, but it ain't there. It ain't there. But, you know, if you're a golf fanatic and you love it, you're going to be included in anyway. And I think the boys done a really good job and girls, you know, just giving us a, giving us a good picture of what the golf course was actually playing like. And I was also a little bit, I'm obviously a big fan of Rich Beam and I know he's a big fan of uh, Tony Fennell. And I was like, I was hoping Tony Fennell would, uh, Gonna gonna pull some out of the bag, but uh, unfortunately not quite. I think Tony Finau's just too nice. He see, he just seems a lovely, right. lovely fella, and I just think he's too nice. He, does he have that killer? He's an unbelievable talent. Is he a killer on the golf course? Well, mate, no. he started holding some putts near the end, so he was <laughs> he's fighting for it, man. He was fighting for it. I think he's Again, got you it. Can't really I think say he's got anyone it. choked 
really the only one you could possibly say and, and even then choked would probably be harsh would be dj obviously he's leading going into the final round he didn't have a great final round but he didn't have a terrible final round you know he just never really quite got it going so you look at the guys there like you mentioned casey Finau. none of those guys shied away from the situation all the no, guys on their shot three four five under par and played really really well Morikawa just had that extra gear when he needed it and the shots came off when he needed them to and that's often the margins between winning and not winning. You know, someone's going to get luck during a week. It's true. It's true. I thought thought Brooks Koepka... Yeah, I mean, I thought Brooks Koepka was going to have a fresh outlet. I must admit, you know, he's one of those guys that you just think, big occasion, here he comes again. Big butch and proud and confident. Meet yourself, stands up there, done it twice already in a row. Is he going for the third? Just didn't happen for him, did it? Unfortunately. It was weird, wasn't it? Because he was he looked good, he looked in control, he looked confident, digging out Bryce and DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson in interviews. You know, he's never one to shy away from trying to intimidate them. But then that's great when you go on and win, but when you do something like you did this week just gone and you absolutely capitulate, frankly, in the final round, like How's Brooks going to be feeling today? And how are the other players going to be feeling towards him because of those kind of quite incendiary tactics that he uses? Nothing, really. I think they know him that well that they just took it with a pinch of salt. Like, yeah, okay, that's Brooks. Don't worry about it. I mean, they just know he's going to be hungry, ready for the next major as soon as it's around the corner. And if you're prepping already for it, I guarantee you that. His mind will be totally on that, thinking, right, I want that baby. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's a wind-up merchant, isn't he? Which is quite yeah. nice. And uh, I mean, oh, you can tell he spent you can tell he spent some time in Europe because we're all like that, yeah. you know. So it's um, you know he's he's a he's a good egg, Brooks. I like I like listening to him. And he if you want someone to tell you a few home truths, that's your man. You know, he isn't going to you know, shy away from it and uh, tell you something he thinks you need to hear. He's going to tell you what he knows you need to hear. So uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Brooks. What did you make of uh, Rory McIlroy's performance this week? Again, he just, he never, it seemed to me like he never got into the tournament. What, what do you think's missing or what do you think he needs to do to essentially make faster starts just so he's got a chance? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an awkward one for Rory because we all know what a talent Rory is. Mm-hmm. You know, unbelievable. And he ain't going anywhere. He's, you know, he's just a little drop in form, maybe a little bit bit drop in confidence. I don't know what it is. I really don't know. He will get it back. He's one of those guys. He's got too big a game, too big a heart. You know, when he's in it, he loves it. Um, but at the moment, it's just not there. It's just not there. The, the, it's just not all firing on all cylinders. All the bases are not covered. Uh, due to many weaknesses out there. I don't know if that's mentality. You know, a little bit lax over shots and he normally is not so in the zone like he normally is. I, he's the only one I can answer that one for you. Okay. Yeah. I, I just... Uh, and for everyone, you know, I just, um, Rory is everyone. Jack, Marty Jack Nicholas, Golden Bear, Tiger Woods, all know his capabilities and all said it in the past how good he is. We've all said it. Um, so it's not going to change. I don't think he's got any underlying injuries or anything like that. I think he's just a little bit, um, I don't know, just uh, it's taken him a bit longer to break, you know, get his, um, get the wheel rolling, if you know what I mean. Get, get it going round and round a little bit more consistently. So. Yeah. He's, I think he's struggled with the lack of fans in the restart more than anyone, frankly. He yeah. is clearly someone that thrives off that. But the problem, the major yeah. thing and the slow starts in majors dates back sort of three or four years now. And I, I love Rory as much as the next person. And, and obviously mm. he's an immense talent, but there clearly is something that is lacking or something that isn't right for that trend specifically in the majors to be where it is, whether it's strategy, whether it's mentality, maybe he just puts too much pressure on himself, tries to be too... I feel he could actually probably be more aggressive early on in majors than he is. But yeah, I think I, I go with, yeah. if it doesn't, and we can all say the superlatives about him and that he is, when he's got his best game, he's the best in the world. And he probably is. But the fact of the matter is he hasn't taken his best game to a major for quite some time now. So the key then is what does he need to do to unlock that best game and unlock it on those big four weeks a year when 
he and frankly most of the golfing world most want him to because we want to see a firing Rory McIlroy at these majors we know what he's capable of we want to see him there we want to just imagine if he and Tiger were in the mix on Sunday as well you know that makes it a better golf tournament what was already a brilliant finale you put a Rory and or a Tiger because they are the two absolute needle movers and marquee names still in our game you put one or both of them in that finish and you're looking at one for the ages yeah I mean you are looking for one at the ages but I mean to get wind in yourselves that Rory needs he probably does need that moment he needs that moment where he is face to face with uh, Tiger and they're both playing great um Dustin Johnson Brooks doesn't matter they're all far all cylinders and then the confidence will kick back in again and propel him to be more consistent again through the thing. I just think he's just stuck in, he's just stuck in third gear at the moment. He's not quite, he's not quite out of third gear yet. He's gone in the first, you know, coming back into it second, you know, making a couple of cuts, you know, you know, I mean, to say the Roy, like, you know, making a cut, it's like, oh, all right. But, you know, you, you think, you know, it's, it's not like that. He's a top five finisher all day long. Um, but I think he's just cruising in third at the moment. I mean, he's got to go through the gears. He's not quite there yet, but he'll come. Yeah. No doubt about it. You know, Roy's just too good. And, uh, you know, you'll uh, go back, you reassess, and maybe he needs to watch some old videos of himself, you know, go back and re relive a few old feelings. I know yeah. that's always been a good thing for most people when you, you know, you don't go back over. I mean, you see a lot of old clips of Rory, you know, and he's probably seen them a million times, I know, but maybe watching it from start to finish, all the shots he played. And yeah, that is me. You know, that is me. Yeah, you know, I, I can do all that. And I'm sure he already knows all that anyway. I mean, I can't teach Rory how to boil eggs. Yeah. Because he's the best at boiling eggs. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm an order man. But uh, I just think, uh, you know, I, yeah, give him time. He'll be back. No doubt about it. He's just too good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a journalist, obviously. So I'm always looking for little... <laughs> storylines and nuggets and trends <laughs> the Rory one is there and you know what we're all probably guilty of over analysis a little bit and Rory's come out and said that but along yeah. those lines one thing that I saw again this week was the potential for this to have been a real changing of the guard moment when you look at the names that were up there obviously Maury Carroll won but you had Wolf up there as well DeChambeau um, Victor Hovland had a decent week um, there were a lot of the sort of younger guys who haven't been around very long. And, you know, even though DJ was there, an established guy, he fell away. You know, Jason Day was sort of there or thereabouts. Kepka couldn't get it done. Are we, I mean, Scheffler and Champ as well. We haven't even mentioned them, but actually... Mate, unbelievable. Well, they didn't get the job done, but it was kind of the first time both of those guys, Cameron Champ and Scotty Scheffler, have been in contention in a major. And they both look good. You know, they didn't quite get the win. There were a couple no. of loose in there, from Champ more so. But they both stayed the course and hung around and, and played well under the gun, you would say, all in all. Are we seeing a changing of the guard, potentially? Or is just one tournament, in a slightly strange circumstances, out of an unprecedented lockdown, am I reading way too much into this? No, I, I, I think you're spot on. Uh, Kit, I really do. And when I say spot on, I do think there's a, a little change in the guard on the horizon. I really do. I see you. I can see them all coming in. I've seen it on the European tour already in these few tournaments coming in now. Um, you know, can see it out there in the States. I mean, really, honestly, I mean, you know, we're talking, what's Rory now? What is Rory now, roughly? 31, is he? 30? Or am I doing it? Just, yeah. So you've got, there you go. You know, probably 10 years difference to the other youngsters coming through now. I mean, that's, yeah, there you go. There's a decade. So, bang, you know, it's, um, there's a new bunch of talent coming through, yeah. man. You know, they've been playing, they're hungry, they're coming through, they've had a big rest, probably been practicing, you know, got a net in their back garden, all hungry for it as well. I mean, they're so hungry for it. And mm -hmm. to be fair, the way the game is now, I mean, you talk to be put driving around and smack seven bells of crap out of it. And, uh, it's a different kind of tactic, you know, to what I'm used to growing up at, you know, where you had to learn your shapes and your ball flights and stuff and the spins and stuff. Now it's bang, you know, the, the guys aren't on tour that are fixing you up for all your equipment are just unbelievable. And they can give you a club that goes off with no spin and cuts through anything and flies forever. And you go, thank you very much. You haven't got to change anything and do anything. And then you're off and running. But 
I don't take that away from any kind of skill whatsoever that you know these guys have got as youngsters. But yeah, there's a change in the guard, and it's a different style of play again as well. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love it, and it's going to happen now. I mean, you're going to see them in the top ten all day long, fighting with the likes of DJ and JT, and who's still young. I mean, yeah, you can't say yeah, JT is just. You know, John, John Ram. Back to number one in the world, but not a mention really this week with a sort of backdoor tied 13th or whatever it was. But, you know, he's almost the previous generation, if you like, and he's been on tour five minutes. It's crazy. It does, yeah, I, I, you know, I, when I look at Ram and I look at JT, I see, I see two phenomenal players. And I'm a little bit gutted. Jordan Spieth is, I can't mention in the same breath at the moment. You know, he's kind of just filtered away a little bit. But... Hopefully, Jordan find his get his act together and he'll be, he'll be back on our TV screens because he's too good not to. But, you know, I think uh, these guys are exceptional. I mean, the, sw- the swings of both those guys that we mentioned, JT and uh, Brooks, you know, I mean, JT, I would, I would, I'd have his swing all day long. I yeah. mean, that, that one, I, I'd say thank you very much. I'd be quite proud of that one. And, uh, yeah, wherever you go, everyone go, cool. God, who's that over there? Just those hips, how he fires them out of the way. And, the bombs it the, the speed he can generate for quite a small guy as well Kit I mean he's probably about your size and you know and he's hitting it what did he he'd be carrying just a tiny bit on by, my oh. gun, just a little bit yeah slightly further than that isn't it yeah yeah, yeah okay. just slightly further yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure but no it's, it's brilliant though mate and uh, I mean the game is on the up I mean we've had a massive surge haven't we all over the world in golf because lockdown, COVID-19 has been so, so bad and it's still going on. But golf is very easy to self, you know, I, you know, distance. You know, you're able to distance yourself in golf. You go up there, you stay in your car, you go to the, the, the first tee, you make over two, two metres away easily. And then you don't really hit it in the same spot and, you, you know, that's it. And, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of youngsters come through. Give it another 10, 15 years. I think we're going to have another mega boom in golf. I really believe it. Um, I think, um, uh, and it's all a result of this um, COVID-19 going around where, you know, kids have been able to get to the golf course and, you know, not be stuck indoors, get them out of the house. And golf has been a great uh, reliever of that. And uh, I think we're going to see signs of that in the future as well. Golf is on the way up and out, mate. Very good. 100%. I think golf has helped a lot of people come out the, the sort of back end of the lockdown initially and, and hopefully that continues. I mean, throwing it further ahead, we've chucked so many names out there today. All of Wait, them are, are bona fide elite stars. Most of them are major champions. Is someone ever going to be able to dominate again? Or is it always just going to be yeah, Rory was number one for five weeks, then Ram, then JT, Morikara came and won a, a mate. Like, Tiger dominated, but it seems like when you talk about each one of these players in isolation, they've all got the abilities to be that generational talent. But because they're all seemingly so good, does that mean none of them can possibly separate themselves and be that face of a generation and get to five, six, seven, eight, even towards double figures in terms of majors? Is that ever going to happen again? You've taken the words right out of my mouth, sunshine. Honestly, just uh, that was a question I was going to ask you. But do I think someone's going to hold the helm at number one for a long period of time? I think it's a tough, tough... Oh, my goodness. I would like to think so. I'd like a standout character. Everyone loves a standout character. Everyone loves a big, strong role model. Uh, the world likes that. You know, likes of Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, you name it. Everyone loves a top player. Lionel Messi, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, but yeah, I don't think so. I really don't, if you want my honest opinion. I don't. I um, think it's going to be tip for tat. It's going to be to and fro in. I think there's too many great golfers out there. Uh, there's a lot of similarity in golfers. Um, I think you can seriously get a bit of separation uh, with a bit of, you know, uh, um, now we're going to have a, a couple of majors in quick succession, you know, in a sense of, and a lot of tournaments. I think there's a chance to create a gap if you get on a hot streak. I really do. But I can't see how you sustain it because technology nowadays, people are able to learn a lot more and a lot quicker, you know. Um, and, you know, they're picking up little snippets here or there and they're able to, I mean, just phenomenal, mate. I, honestly, like you just said, there's just so many golfers. I mean, we could, 
could count. We could shout out 50 now and we'd go, well, they're all in with a show. You know, we could. We could shout out 50 right now and go to all in with a show on their day. And that's said, before so, um, to emerge in the next two or three years. I mean, who had heard of Matt Wolf, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland three years ago? It's a conveyor belt, isn't it? It is. I, I must admit, I, I had the, I'm really fortunate to follow uh, last year John Ram a few times. And i got to say, it was a different game. I mean, it was a different game. You know, the, the left side of the golf course was never in play uh, for him um, off the tee. Um, wedges into green were, well, phenomenal. Holding his shot on 16 with me in Madrid. Uh, I was, it was written in as, well, you could just see what he's like. And we see Ram hold a lot of shots, by the way. We see yeah. Ram hold a lot of shots. He's dangerous. He can putt as well. You know, and he ain't frightened. You know, there's some people that, stick, you know, they, they're, they're going well and then they go, then they get, oh, hold on a minute. I might have to just eat humble pie a little bit, play a bit of safety here. No, John Ram's foot down and going, you know, a bit like JT, a bit like just Dustin Johnson, a bit like Rory, you know, all of the, all the top players have that fight. Ram, I mean, he's built like a builder. You know, a local builder to where I live. I mean, he just got muscles on muscles, and you know, I hope his body withstands it all. But the pace, I mean, he's got a three-quarter back swing. I don't think there's much to go wrong with someone with like Ram. John Ram. That I really don't. Body shape, isn't it, with Ram? Whereas other people yeah. have to manipulate what they're. Ram's just a big, thick-set boy. Like he, he's got yeah. thighs like my waist. Yeah. So you feel there's more longevity in that. I do, I do, and I, I, I really rate Ram. I mean, I, I could probably. I remember me and Rob Lee. I mean, I was working with um, last week at Hanbury Manor, and uh, I remember a year or two years ago we said about John Ram, and we, you know, Rob called it then. You could see him possibly fighting for number one in the world, and there he is, bang, you know, and. Uh, yeah, no surprise, mate. And after when I seen him in Madrid, just absolutely shocked. And yeah, he's got that grit and determination and gets a little bit cheesed off with the world. But I think that adds I think that adds a little bit of spice and his character. Just um he won't mean to offend anyone. He's just playing his own game. Um if you get in his eye line or there's a noise in his backswing, yeah, of course. You know, we ain't gonna be pissed off at that. I mean, come on. I mean, it's you know, if you're in full concentration mode and the noise goes off on your back screen or someone clicks a camera, you know, I mean, you know, it is gonna get on your wick a little bit. But um, so yeah, I'm not surprised, and I, I, you know, I think he's rang for the long term as well. And I think that's a guy I would pick could hold it at the moment for a long time. And I, I'd say, I'd say he's gonna hold it for longer. I'd say just as added piece in the armory is when he's on he's dead straight yeah. and he's long you know he's not like Colin Morikawa who is got everything strong and is straight you know the extra gear that Ram has is uh, his length as well he yeah. and he and, you know and I you know Colin Morikawa comes across a lovely guy but he's ruthless obviously you know he's ruthless mm -hmm. you know he's a he's a devil in disguise he's having it you know he's um He's a hell of a player, but uh, Ram, if there was anyone I was going to hold a position for, say, yeah, half a year, I think, maybe a year. I, 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 can't, I can't see beyond that, though, Kit. It's a good question. You can't, that's the problem. I can't. Can. move so quickly. You can't really make any predictions over any meaningful amount of time because we've seen how young players come out onto already and then now how quickly they get into the winner's circle and the major winner's circle. Having said that, I'm now going to ask you to predict how many majors you think John Rahm will win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you put me right on it. Um, I go, do you know what? When I, when I seen him in Madrid, I'd have said half a dozen, right? I would have definitely said half a dozen, which is unbelievable, yeah. right? Unbelievable. That's quite a career. Uh, and I've changed my mind. I have changed yeah. my mind. I, I think, you know, if he wins three, I mean, three, four. I, I mean, whoa, it's a tough order. See, this I mean, is Helen. I was going to, I was leaning towards getting the conversation this way, where because of how the modern game has changed in terms of the strength, in depth, the quality, the amount of players that can win, 
it feels like a conversation needs to be had about what constitutes a great player and a great CV. Like one or two majors historically, you know, you're not necessarily a great. You're obviously a very good player or there's been players that might have shown up and won one major and done not a lot else and that wasn't enough. But when you're talking about a guy like John Rahm, as such an unbelievable talent who you think can stay at number one for a decent amount of time amongst the current crop we've got. And I absolutely agree with everything you've said. And then suddenly you go, actually like three or four majors would be a really good career haul, a career that could span 20 years because he was so young, or more, more, 30 years because he was so young on the scene as well. And then you're going, oh, well, actually over that time, three or four majors would be really good. And that's almost what you're expecting. That shifts the goalpost suddenly in how you analyze the level of a guy historically because you can't compare Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods even the, the Gary players and the, the Tom Watsons of this world with their major numbers I don't think to the numbers that guys have been getting probably sort of post Tiger era I think it's well, no. a different playing field but look look at his fellow countrymen I mean yes he has one major on his under his belt Sergio Garcia the Masters but up until that point you would have said when he started off and he hit that shot from behind the tree and ran up up the hill and, you know, cut it round it, you would have said that man was going to have about six majors in his yeah. back pocket by now. Right? You would have. But, you know, things change. And he had, his, he had his downfalls. You know, like, he's not quite there yet. You know, he's fallen away. But then he come back again. You know what I mean? And, you know, but coming back to Sergio, coming back to Ram, you know, you would have said, you know, Sergio would have had six in his pocket right now. I know I would have, without question. Uh, and I, I'd imagine a lot of people would have said the same thing. But then he was in the era of the magnificent Tiger Woods. Yeah. So, you know, that man's going to steal your thunder no matter what. The guy's unbelievable. But, yeah, and uh, it's, uh, it's interesting, mate, but I don't, see, I don't see a world number one being there for too long. You know, no. not with standard of golf out there. The great talents that there are coming to the world. They're coming to the corner of the globe and they're here to stay. And we're going to see some great golf, man. They're going to change it. They're going to completely change it. And I think the course has now got to become a bit more narrow. They're going to have to become a little bit more thicker in the rough. The, the greens are going to have to accommodate. They are able to send the ball sky high and land it on a dime. Um, you know, they, it's not easy for architects nowadays, you know, but. I think if you want to keep the really good old golf courses, or amazing golf courses, it'd be a shame if they went fell by the wayside. That's what you're going to have to do. You know, that is what you're going to have to do. I mean, it's going to be tough to dominate on a global scale moving forwards because there's just so much talent. But someone dominated big time earlier this week on the European Tour. Andy Sullivan, just an incredible performance at Hanbury Manor. I know you were absolutely delighted to be there all week. It looked fantastic. What was it like to get back out there on the European Tour and and see such a fantastic tournament firsthand? Well, first of all, I've got to say, I've, I've got the, uh, I got the uh, Yardage book, and I got the, I actually went for this, because, uh, to actually read, I was always over-borrowing my reads, so I was asking for too much, and I actually asked Adrian Otegi, who came into the box, with Boxy and Tony Johnson, during the course of the week, and I actually asked him while I was on the back of the 18th, said, have you, have you kind of overread your putts? And he said, yeah. He said, I've aimed for too much borrow, and it's not come back. So a lot of the guys would find it really hard out there on the golf course. But the course, Europe Tour in general, and I mean, I'm talking all bases covered from, you know, compound staff to the European Tour being able to put it on, to the players, you know, the rigorous kind of checking that you have to go through. We all had to do it. I had to do the swab test, you know, back of the throat. I sent you the little video of me having it done and up the nose and crikey, I was gagging like you won't believe. But everyone done it. Everyone was negative. So we were all, we're all in that bubble and it was so well done. Everyone's staying on site and confined themselves. But it ran so smoothly, Kit. I mean, it was an eerie feeling not having anyone out there on the golf course watching. It is a weird feeling, No, you know, not hearing any claps. I mean, there was a cut one or two houses nearby that the, you know, the couples and the families were able to get close to their gardens and shout out and put a billboard up. And one was like, you know, rooting for um, JD, Jamie Donson, that is. One was beef, you know, and, they, you know, they were given a couple of claps, but it was the only claps you would hear all week. Uh, but the course in general, Hanbury Manor was just over 7,000 yards. And 
par 72, uh, 71, sorry. And uh, he changed the 17th, which is a, um, a par five for the members to a par four, which was an absolute brute, to be fair. And that was the hardest hole on the golf course. It was a 486 yards straight down, you know, kind of like a, a little double dog leg. You know, you had to kind of shape it a little bit from right to left and then you had to kind of feed it from left to right with a second. But I'm, I'm talking minuscule stuff. Um, but the greens were phenomenal, running about 12, just shy of 12. So they were slick. Um, like I say, not boring very much, but they were very receptive. They were very soft, very green. So if you landed on it, my goodness, you could zip it back. Final day wasn't like that. It obviously just firmed up a little bit. So it was a little bit harder landing the ball close to the pins and getting them to stop, you know, stop dead. But the ball was running miles on the fairways. I mean, my goodness, I had to follow Ryan Fox at one stage and, well, you know how far he is. I mean, he looks like a back, bloody bodybuilder. I mean, this guy's just tanking it. Oh, yeah. And he, he was great to watch. He just couldn't get the butter going. A lot, quite a lot, like a lot of players around there, you know, playing for too much borrow, not quite seeing it. And, you know, uh, yeah, he was in the same ballpark as most people. But I, um, Andy Sullivan, I actually followed in the practice round. So quite lucky. I went out on the golf course and caught up with Andy Sullivan and seen him play the 10th, which is a lovely hole. You know, kind of, you, you, you take it over the trees on the left-hand side. You can do anyway. And that just leaves you, like, you know, depending on the wind, about a nine or an eight iron in. I think Sully just was a little bit further back and went for a seven iron. He flagged it there to about gimme range. And I was like, just, I was just looking at him and he was with his big, you know, big beard on. And I said, I like in the beard, man. I said, grow that one in lockdown. Yeah, mate, look good, man. And he said, I, I think I'm going to put some beads in it. Going to have a load of beads in it. Different car went, mate, I hope you do that. And he's like... Yeah, thank you very much, and off we do. So, um, but that was an appetite there. Once I seen him swinging, he looked so dialed in. He looked like his rhythm was absolutely spot on. He knew what he he had a game plan straight away. He obviously must have played there a few times before because, I mean, to shoot twenty eight on the back nine like Dean Burminster done on the same day. I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, some serious scoring. Jack Senior who came out of the Euro Pro, you know, he had twenty nine the first day on the front nine, which. To be honest, you know, that's seven under. But seven that's out there, like, John. <laughs> yeah. 29 on the front, 28 on the back. There was a 57 out there if someone wanted it. I caught it at the start of the week. I honestly thought it was going to be a 59. As soon as I got to that golf course and I went round it, I went, wow, this is, it's got to have it. You know, this is, we're going to have another, you know. And um, it didn't happen, obviously. But I tell you what, it wasn't far away. I think no. if the wind had stayed a bit dormant and the, the green stayed softer, I think we'd have... Um, We'd have seen it, but that wind just played a little bit of, you know, a bit of a trick. But it's it's interesting. Like the front nine, um, you know, two nines. One nine is designed by Jack Nicholas, and the other nine is designed by Harry Barden. I mean, how I know how iconic is that? Two figures, yeah. best of their eras. I mean, just great golf course, mate. Yeah. Really good golf course. So, I mean, it's nice to see some Euro pros out there who we know, you know, Absolutely. doing well. Yeah. Um, and but I got to make reference as much I love. You know, seeing them all out there and playing, it's nice to see them all back. I I got lucky. I got moved from a group, um, Schubner and Berminster, and I got told to go forward to uh, the Bowwood boy, Jordan Smith, and this Wicko, Wilco... Koninaba. Koninaba, that's it. Yeah. Right, so I'm with him, and I've caught up on, what is it, the 13th, at the back of 13th. I've just got his yardages and um, Jordan's come off the green <laughs> and he's looking at me and he's got, I said, how is it? He said, he said, you ain't going to believe it. He said, he said, I've never played with anyone like this before, John. Mm -hmm. Not even close. He said, he said, he hits it out of sight. I went, wow. I said, really good. He said, unbelievable. He said, just to let you know, he said, the 12th today is playing into wind, which is this massive par five, big, couple of oak trees down the left that you can't really take it over even though Ryan Fox did it but it was downwind when he did it anyway it's into wind I think Jordan did it 310 yards you know with his bit of, bit of run on it as well 310 320 Wilco has just taken it over the tree now to carry that tree is would have to be three, 360 on the fly you know it would have to be three to get it up that into high to carry it Okay, into yeah. wind so he's gone and it's flown it and he actually came out in his interview with Rob afterwards and said you know that was the only 
time I went to 90% in the golf swing. 90%. You know, 90%. And, you know, this is a guy who's got a backswing a little bit, not, not as short as John Ram, but he's yeah. not full throttle right back there. Yeah. You, know, he's, he's, you know, he's a little bit in between. And, yeah. he's, mate, he's got Sam Walker on the bag, ex-European tour player, or yeah. I used to play England. And I think Sam's going to be really good for him because Sam's really good was around the greens and shot shaping. Sam was always good like that. We were very similar in, in that kind of era. You know, this young man, he's only just turned 20. He's a superstar in South Africa, one South African amateur, uh, ranked number one in the world. So he's coming in, and he got in because of um, the American just yeah. accidentally went outside the bubble. So he gets in. Yeah. And, it's you know, I was meaning to ask about that. We'll go on to that a bit later, actually. But yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. And anyway, so he grabs his opportunity. Sam's there, and he's really good on the bag, Sam. Um, He's obviously had a change of direction, change of part about the game, but he still loves the game so much he wants to be involved. So he's gone down the caddy road. And I think he's going to be really good. I mean, he knows he knows his stuff. You know, for instance, you know, we were on the 14th. There's a uh, quite a straightforward par four up and around. And he's just hit it in the left down rough. And it was a horrible pin position right at the front of the green. It was it was a um, horrible lie as well, really fly lie. And it was a lot of stuff behind the ball. and. You know, I could hear Wilco go, what's he going to do? He said, shall I go for the low one, try and pitch it short of the green and bump it up on there and try and get a bit too cute? Sam said, no, just, you know, it's going to come out high if you like it or not. If you go for the low one, it could come out really slappy because you're going to take a lot of grass with it. You know, just play a normal shot. It's going to bounce. The club's going to bounce because it's rock hard in the rough. Boom, it come off. He pitched it just about four foot past the flag and it ran, you know, 20 foot further. But it was a, it was a wise move. Just little things like that, you know, just... And they're, they're little small diamonds, you know, that um, Wilco's going to get from Sam. I hope he keeps with him because, you know, a good friendship could blossom there. And, yeah, um, yeah fingers crossed uh, he keeps Sam on the bag. And Sam's so enthusiastic. And he made a massive statement. Now, get this for a statement. Mm-hmm. All right, this is hot off the press. All right, this is hot off the press. Me, Rob Lee is my witness. <laughs> so we're at, we're at dinner. And he says, he reckons his man is good enough to be top 10 in the world within the next three years. I went, that's a big statement, Sam. That's a big statement. Top 10 in the next three years. I said, he's only just got into the pro game, you know, just. He said, he is that good. He is that good, John. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give it two years. I went, wow. I went, wow. Well, I mean, Mike so anyway, done it in just over a year. So, and there are big, big for Wilco Nienaber. He is, you know, yeah. still at home in South Africa. And he may well just come on and do exactly what those guys are doing in the States throughout of college. And he looks comfortable. He does look comfortable, Kit. And I, I tell you what, after watching him, I was really impressed. <laughs> I was really impressed. And to be honest, we, he's still on 17, right? And he's, I mean, he was hitting three woods off the tee, 3.30. And I'm there going, and they were into wind. And he, he's up against Jordan, who's a, we know is a really fine player. Solid as a rock. Not many weaknesses in that man's game, I tell you. You know, 17, driver off the tee. Wilco, three wood, passed him about 10 yards. I'm like, they're going, what? But the ball flight, the strike yeah. on it. I was like, what on earth is that? You know, it's not a, it's not a sound you hear very often. Yeah. You know what I mean? When someone absolutely is different. So, uh, yeah, different gravy from Wilco. I'll give him that. And uh, But Sam, um, Andy Sullivan, I've got to say, breath of fresh air, mate. Coming up 18. Loved, loved uh, his, um, his daughter uh, coming over the shoulder of his good lady saying, we're going to crack open the beers like that. And she's only like me uh, to a grasshopper. Absolutely it does like it. a cider. It has to be said. I bet there were oh. some celebrations down there. Oh, mate, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, a worthy winner, one by seven. And wasn't surprised at all. I mean, that's the thing. Sully was... Uh, it was massive. I mean, that you know, pot on 15 was huge, momentum-wise, up the tier that was. And there were awkward greens around there. I mean, there were like three different locations on the back nine where there were like postage stamps. And if you were wrong side of one, it was a horrible putt to get to. And suddenly it was just on one. I mean, that, that TCR he hit on third day as well to about a foot and a half on the first. I mean, how you got that there? I, I, I'll never know. There, isn't it? Oh, mate, it was phenomenal. But... Just showed 
what a great player he is. Um he, guard up there again. I think people forget and perhaps don't give Andy Sullivan the credit that he deserves for what he did to get into that Ryder Cup team and actually the talent that he's got. He had a really, really good 18 months, including the three wins and a lot of consistent top 10, top 15 golf. And I remember there was a major, it might have been the USPGA, just before or just after when he played in the Ryder Cup. And like on Sunday, early on on Sunday, you know, he was there or thereabouts and he fell away a little bit, but he looked good. And I think yeah. he's a better player than actually a lot of people give him credit for. And I hope, I do sincerely hope he does kick on from this because I think there's more to come from him. He could be in another Ryder Cup. I'd like to see him back in the majors regularly because I think he, des- he deserves to be there and has got the game for it. And he's a brilliant character. You know, he's a funny guy. He'll have a laugh and a joke with you. He's just like your mate from the local club who's just got on, who's on tour. Like, he's just brilliant. And he's honest. It hasn't changed him. Um, and I think to see guys like that succeed, someone that wasn't always necessarily destined for greatness straight out of college or out of the amateur game like so many of the guys, you know. He worked in like Asda or so. He stacked shelves at periods earlier in his career. And he's had to work to get there. And, and those stories everyone loves. As much as it's great to see these prodigies and these phenomenal players straight out the gates, like a Wilco Nienaber looks like he's going to be. Yeah. We all love an underdog story and a guy that's had to fight. And it wasn't expected of him to be a, a brilliant golfer and a, a tour winner. Um, but the Nienaber one was interesting because he was the last man into the field. And I don't want to dwell on this negative thing for too long, obviously. But John Catlin, the American did break the bubble on the Tuesday evening. The European Tour, absolutely right to withdraw him and his caddy, who had also gone to the restaurant from the tournament. They have to take that kind of hard line, and it's great that they are. I was just wondering, you on the ground there and in the bubble, was there much talk or reaction amongst the players and staff who were there about that incident at the time? No, there wasn't, Kit. Um, it was very professional. As soon as he knew, he'd, he he came back in the next day. Um, someone confronted him about it. Bang. He held his hands up straight away. Yes, I did it. And that was that. Bang. It draw the line. You're right, mate. Um, done. That was it. It was uh, clean and simple. Everyone was friendly. Everyone got on with business straight away. Um, no questions asked. I mean, it was just, like I say, mate, the whole tour, the whole thing, you know, everyone involved. It ran so smoothly, buddy. It runs so smoothly. It was really good. It's very hard to get your head around the mask wherever you go. I mean, especially, you know, going out onto the golf course. I mean, you know, having to wear that. I mean, it was blistering hot. It's not easy. The best of times to breathe in them. But to breathe in it in 35 degree heat is even harder. I can promise you that. And it got nearly got to 40 at some stage. So that was, it was tough out there. You know, it really was. Um, but, no, no, so it was all good, mate. It was run brilliant. Dave Williams came in, you know, chairman came into the box for a bit with um, Boxy and Tony, said some lovely things, and I echo exactly what he he said, really. You know, I, um, Westy came in, you know, Lee Westwood, he was brilliant as well. Um, Adrian Ortega came into the box. So, yeah, they all had great things to say and great support from Lee Westwood as well. He's playing three of the six. Uh, great ambassador for the European Tour. Absolutely love him for that, and uh, yeah, I uh, I asked him cheekily as well. I got one of his ping bags with the with the Union Jack logo on it that uh, was at Close House four years ago. Awesome. I asked him if he could sign it for me in the future. I was hoping he was going to Wales, but he was like he was like I'm not going to Wales, so I was absolutely gutted. But he said that um, you know in the future maybe I might have to take it with me. Hopefully he can sign it for me. There'll be something I'll keep forever. He's a good 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 role model, Lee. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's been great. I was going to mention uh, Iona Stevens. I worked with her for the first time. She was brilliant. She was on course and doing the walks and talks with and uh, and a final interview as Andy came off the golf course. But Iona asked a great question to Sully going down seven, I think it was, and uh, he said said about his um, his prize he won to go up to space, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, he, said, uh, he said he uh, said <laughs> yeah. So she's asked him a question. He said. Uh, and this brings me back to you, though, Kit, because you just let the cat out of the bank. I went, he's gone, no, I said, I'm only four foot four. He said, I get, you know, if I go up a ladder, I, I, I don't like heights and stuff like that. He said, so you ain't having me go up in the space. 
like you just said, you'd rather parachute out of a plane than go up a ladder. I'm so scared of heights. Absolutely terrified. Literally, I, I would rather, as I said, parachute because I know I'm going to be strapped to someone who knows what they're doing. You like being strapped on, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> then climb up a ladder and have to clean out guttering because I don't trust myself to not fall off a ladder. So, yeah, I'm with Andy on this. Like, the idea of going into space, fantastic. But would I want to, you know, have all of that jet fuel strapped to me and get fired in? I mean, you must be wishing, why couldn't I just got a nice car for that, Ace? Like, yeah. Oh, but, but me and I, you know, me and no, you know, like, yeah, send it there, man. We'd get a heartbeat. Man, I wouldn't be scared. I'd absolutely, well, give anything left and side, you know, to get up there, you know, out into space. Oh, my goodness. I said, just, he said it may, might be a bidding war, actually, for, uh, you know, he said, as the ticket goes on sale, see if anyone wants it. He said, maybe do an auction thing. So, very, very good thing for Mandy as well. And so lighthearted. There he was in the final round speaking to Iona, and he came across brilliant, nice and relaxed. And, yeah, gives him wins by seven. Easy, isn't it? Easy. It is easy when you're hitting the ball and as dark in as well as he was and putting it like he was. Well, it was an incredible week from Morikawa in the States, Sully back home here. Um, John, it was wonderful to see you and listen to you back on the TV as well. I really enjoyed it. I thought the coverage was great. Um, what I saw before I summited Mount Snowden on Sunday. Um, that's yeah. all for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Filthy Lip Out. Please remember to subscribe, like, leave reviews, share us with your friends. Everything you, you can do just helps us be found by other golf fans. And we do hugely appreciate every one of you that does take the time to do that. John and I love chatting about golf. We're thrilled that many of you are enjoying listening to our random chats. And we've had some fantastic guests so far as well. If you haven't listened to them, Nicholas Colsarts and Chris Wood, we've had talking about their Ryder Cup experiences. Gary Murphy, always incredibly informed on the game, the former Irish tour player. Uh, and just last week, Richard Mansell talking about his journey from the Euro Pro Tour to the European Tour and Challenge Tour, where he's plying his trade these days. Check them out if you haven't already. Thank you for listening again, and we will see you next week. Bye for now.